This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the DTC pod. I'm your host, Jay. And today I'm joined with Farhaj from Kana. He's the co-founder and CEO of Kana, a managed marketplace that helps legal cannabis businesses connect with vetted hourly workers. Farhaj, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you for joining the podcast. Uh, Want to make sure I got that right. We usually deal with a lot of DTC brands, yeah. so <laughs> doing something a little bit different. Is that the the right way to describe what Kana does? Tell us a little bit more about you and your business. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm really excited to be here. Always happy to chat about the gig economy and future of work. Um, yeah, you know, with respect to Kana, we've taken a little bit of an interesting pivot. Uh, we've moved from the managed marketplace model to essentially building a really robust people operation system for farms and dispensaries. So not only can they manage their full-time staff, set them up for payroll, get the tax documents compliance, but they can also push a button and hire, you know, vetted, trained, and insured independent contractors who do a great job, you know, for roles like trimming, harvesting, and defoliation. Um, but one of the coolest products that we're actually about to launch live is this direct-to-consumer education platform called Candy University where uh, you know, new and existing workers can pretty much hop on, go through extensive courses, and get certified so they can actually learn the tools of the trade before they ever find their first job. So that goes live in the spring, and I think it'll be super exciting kind of blending in you know, education with the future of work and using that as, like, I guess, like one of our strongest inflection points. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. And yeah, for context for everyone that's listening on the podcast, we're talking about the gig and creator economy over here, and I think it's really interesting. I know... You are mentioning about your uh, your university that you're starting. We're actually probably going to do something very similar like that on Trend for our creators. So it's a cool way to kind of educate and work with those people and get it right. So let, I know we're here to talk about the future of work. So let's let's talk about the future of work. I mean, um, what kind of brought you to come up with this idea, and where do you think? Like, you know, obviously there's a lot of gig economy businesses that have formed, um, hourly businesses, marketplaces, all of those things. It's interesting, actually, the like how we stumbled into Cana was a total, it's like extremely serendipitous. Um, so before this company, for about two and a half years, I was working on another company called Fade. And it was a personalized barber booking marketplace where you could hop on as a user, you know, tell us about your age, ethnicity, hair type, link texture. And our algorithm would connect you with local barbers who knew how to give you the right fade. You know, so long story short, we launched in Dallas, grew to like early revenue, ultimately ended up winding it down because the marketplace just got way too competitive and existing software solutions were, you know, they were they were crushing it. Squire, this New York-based company, had raised their $8 million A round at the time. You know, Square kind of made their appointment software free. And essentially what happened is, you know, after we winded that company down and I was trying to figure out what to do next, about four days into the existential crisis that I had as a founder <laughs> during that time, um, my CTO got a call from one of his buddies from college, you know, and his name is Zildjian. He's one of our co-founders now, but Z pretty much went, hey, Brad, you know, I got a surprise. I just moved to Oklahoma from Austin. Hey, Brad, surprise number two. Um, I have a legal cannabis farm here and I just fired my grandma for being, you know, part of my French, but a shitty worker. Um, can you wrangle up some friends, drive up here, come help me out. I need to get my, you know, harvest ready for the dispensary yesterday. And that was 10 months ago. And essentially while we were up there, it was a totally novel experience for me. Cause like one, I didn't even know cannabis was legal in Oklahoma. 
to let alone like learning how to do a job, you know, like it was brand new. And while we were there, essentially, Z mentioned that, you know, turnover in the industry is really hard and finding really good talent was even harder. So if there was any way that we could simplify the process for him and all he had to do was push a button, pay the workers and be happy about the results, um, he'd be a customer. And we started messing around with the idea of building, you know, the future of work in cannabis and giving a lot of upward mobility to the people who want to start start off for the first time. Yeah, I love the idea of all the gig economy things. I'm an econ major myself. So like talking about economics and that kind of stuff really gets me excited. Uh, but I think it's so fascinating the, the kind of marketplaces that have been developed, like even like, you know, Uber and Favor and all those are essentially just connecting workers to, um, something to be able to, you know, make money, have, uh, have that sort of uh, work that they're looking for. And I think it's just so interesting that all of those exist. And it's a really interesting thing, especially during the time that we have right now, because obviously, you know, so many traditional businesses have been affected by uh, the pandemic that is happening right now. But I think, you know, it's really great that we have all these gig economy uh, options that are available, because I think things would be a lot worse if people weren't able to to connect with others, you know, um, someone doing an Uber ride, like if he's not driving for Uber, probably might be out of a job right now. Someone that's doing Instacart or something might be out of a job. And I'm sure you're probably seeing the same way. You're really empowering these people to help them find work and kind of be employed even now and even moving in the future. It's definitely interesting. You know, I think like there's this concept of like a true independent contractor, somebody who's like self-employed, has their own business entity and is pretty much doing work for themselves. Uh, and contracting out with clients, which is different from a contractor contractor, right? Somebody who has a 1099 with an entity and, you know, on a flexible basis gets work done at their you know, location or, you know, whatever. But I, I feel like for most gig economy companies, they find it very hard to very definitely point out exactly which kind of relationship that they have and how they can create systems that employ the or empower the contractors that are within their kind of ecosystem. So with, you know, COVID kind of hitting at full force, I mean, it was interesting for us too. Cannabis sales like started to skyrocket and, you know, we were a little concerned at first, but you know, in a month and a half, like essentially, you know, they were starting to harvest so much and they were selling out so fast. The 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 companies decided to bifurcate their workforce and a lot of the, the repetitive kind of, um, you know, more labor intensive tasks, they started to hire you know, external people to come in and help with in a CDC like compliant environment. And similarly, I think, you know, with the entire workforce starting to be extremely distributed and a lot more people being open to remote work, there's like a distribution of talent that's happening and people are so much more open to, you know, hiring a contractor to do some really great work that's on the other side of the coast or in another town or might have a really like exciting portfolio. So it's really cool. And I'm really curious too if you've seen any interesting, you know, trends on trend <laughs> where, you know, y'all are seeing more people getting more work activations. And I bet like, you know, with the world kind of shifting towards serendipitous digital interactions, if people are over indexing and investing into social media uh, and hiring people to help with it, to build out their brands holistically outside of, you know, physical establishments. Yeah, I think we've definitely seen an uptick over here in trend, both on the brand and the creator side. Um, for the brands, it's kind of, you know, we used to maybe produce content in-house and that kind of stuff. And now we don't have those options because no one's going to the office and stuff like that. Um, so it's kind of like the outsourcing of content. Um, but the really great part about it for the brands is like, 
they're able to develop better content than they would be able to do on their own. And it's kind of like, I feel like that's something that's so common in the, this gig gig economy kind of world is the fact that, you know, when you pass those like jobs off to individual people, those people are usually like specialists in those areas. So they have the experience, right? They have some sort of knowledge. And if they, they aren't there yet, maybe like, you know, you have like your university that you're educating these people on to become those specialists um, and kind of knowledge knowledge leaders in that sense for those kinds of things. And it makes it easier for your business, right? Because you're implementing those people who that's what they do every day, right? They're doing it over and over. And, you know, we all know when you repeat a task a certain amount of times, it really, you become really good at it. And I think um, that's the same thing that kind of happens there. And on the creator side, I mean, for us, it's, you know, a lot of more creators are joining the platform. Um, They're interested in working, obviously, you know, Maybe they might have been doing something that was freelance work or um, they had another job somewhere else, but now they're really pushing for that extra income to come through through trends. So we're seeing a lot of people, um, you know, the usage really take up there. And these people, like I said, are specialists, right? They've practiced their trade. They've become experts at it. And, um, you know, they, they can do stuff a lot more efficiently than, than you and I can do in those sections, <laughs> no, I think it's interesting. And, I, you know, that's a good segue into the whole education side. And especially if you're like a niche vertically integrated marketplace that has, you know, a specific task that you get done with your supply side of workers for the demand side of customers. There's a lot of opportunity. And I feel like not a lot of startups have really making the, like made this bet yet to invest in, again, niche content that helps them upskill. You know, for example, for a creator of yours to teach him how to become, you know, an illustrator pro or to do special kinds of effects or filters or, you know, how to more effectively use social media management software to have a higher rate of impressions or hit rate um, is something that like legitimately levels them up and increase their total billable, you know, kind of unit per hour. And similarly for us, too, you know, for somebody who comes in as an entry level trimmer, what we found that cannabis is a niche provides with a lot of upward mobility because there's no credentialing system externally, right? You can't really go to a university to get certified for cannabis cultivation as a master grower. Uh, And similarly, you know, how do you actually vet or understand fundamentally what the qualifications or credentials of a person who a creator is with their technical ability? And that's where you can use educational and kind of API-driven courses to help, you know, people certify themselves, upskill themselves. And then, you know, similarly within your own platform, you can use that credibility arbitrage that you give them to demand a higher rate for them and introduce more liquidity. So it's that's like an idea that I've been toying around with a lot. And that's why you know, we're getting more and more bullish with the courses that we have in Canada University, because our thesis is, you know, if we get a worker to their first job, they become a trimmer, they get some real-time compensated work experience. While they're doing that, they learn more about the actual plan and the cultivation and cloning and a lot of these different skills. You know, essentially, they can get that real-time compensated experience. They can get the certification and level up and go from a trimmer to a trim team lead to a part-time grower to a full-time grower, uh, you know, who's earning six figures or one day go and start their own operation. Um, and that's like one of the most exciting things for me within the future of workspace. And I think that's why there's so much untapped potential in niche-focused vertical market networks because, you know, it, it helps you really help people and move the needle forward with respect to impacting their lives. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's even on that note, like standardizing those new kind of like work positions that have been created, right? Like 
cannabis grower. I don't even know if that's the term. I mean, how do you even term, like, but... do, do a test on so if somebody's a growth marketer? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, what's the growth yeah. marketer stack? And like, how do I evaluate that? I mean, you don't go to like university to get a growth marketer certification or a bachelor's in growth marketing. So there's a lot of interesting opportunity. And I guess like on your end, like what are you excited about specifically with like in relation to that topic for trend? Yeah, I think it's more so just kind of standardizing like what for the gig economy for us, it's those creators and it's kind of standardizing that process and really making it like easy to be able to scale, not only for the brand, but especially for the creator. Right. Cause like, you know, it would be, it's, it's funny to think like when you're doing some of these jobs, like as a creator, like, you know, traditionally they negotiate back and forth with brands or businesses to be able to work and like the rate's going to be different. The delivery is going to be different. And it's really hard to standardize that stuff, which is kind of crazy because, you know, if you walk in and, you know, I'm a marketing guy, like if I apply for a marketing job and join a marketing job, I don't have to like say like, oh yeah, you remember that great blog post I wrote? That's going to be $150. This 2000 word piece I wrote is going to be like $250. Like that's totally absurd. Like you would you're standardized, right? Like I have my regular like salary that I get paid, like, you know, every, every few weeks or so, but like for creators and a lot of gig economy people that really isn't there yet. So like for us, it's kind of, um, just standardizing that. So that way they can use that as a real income stream. It's really hard to, you know, plan yourself financially. And that's something that's so popular among millennials and stuff like that, you know, planning, uh, having the right financial planning. And I think, uh, Part of that kind of bleeds over in that creator economy and we're just really want to normalize what they're making so that way they can like track and, you know, grow and figure out where they work best in, like what vertical they produce the best content for and all of all of that fun stuff. Did you see that op-ed that Dara, like this Uber CEO kind of put out recently? I have not. So after like the new California legislation passed, like with respect to like the contractor situation and kind of enforced W2 for like the sharing economy. Um, he wrote this really interesting piece about how, you know, from like an IRS perspective and the current classification of independent contractors, the system is a little broken um, because it's very hard as like a like an independent contractor for them to have this thing called the benefits pool, right? Which is like your doomsday scenario protective, you know, pool that helps workers have access to things like workers' comp, like collective benefits. You know, and makes it really easier, honestly, for them to manage their taxes and file stuff like that. Um, I thought it was super interesting because I think, you know, even though like close to 40 percent I heard of like the American population are essentially like true freelancers now. And, you know, the amount of you know equity that they're building and like a lot of the things that are happening on the tail end, um, it, it's it's ramping up. But from an infrastructure perspective, there haven't been a lot of considerations into like protective environments for them. You know, whether it's being able to access proper medical plan to understanding how to effectively file their taxes. I even have a feeling that most of the freelancers who come in, like, don't even know that, you know, they should be setting up their own LLC that they run and filing their taxes like that and like doing all of this stuff right. So long story short, you know, there's a company that I'm pretty excited about. It's called Soul Venture. And essentially what they're doing is they're building this like all in one HR back office uh, op system for true freelancers to manage all of the stuff. In one place. And also another trend that I'm seeing right now is these large marketplaces, you know, and even early stage ones like ours that are growing pretty rapidly that have a a large network of, you know, freelancers within their platform that are pre-vetted, trained, um, 
you know, who are getting a lot of real-time compensated work experience and building up their reputation score, we're able to talk to, you know, insurance agencies and build policies that are very supportive of them using our bargaining power. Um, you know, one thing that we did at Canada, which is super interesting, is like we kind of shifted away from the entire staffing model to a true enterprise model. But because our farms are able to pre-estimate the total amount of labor that they want, we're able to tag along uh, just like accruing insurance policy to where, you know, a certain percent of our entire billing per hour kind of cycle when it's amortized is reserved into a separate insurance pool as an occupational accident workers' comp policy for the independent contractors. And they don't have to pay for that out of pocket if anything happens at one of our locations on a job. You know what I'm saying? And and yeah. I think it'd be really interesting for more and more companies to start thinking of innovative ways where they can use insure tech to increase like the overall value of their marketplace to the the supply side of people who are using their services. And, you know, honestly, they're the ones who are building our reputation, you know, good people doing great work and making all of our customers happy. Um, and, you know, I think there's like kind of this responsibility on our end to help them. Oh, <laughs> my bad. But, you know, help them thrive. And yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that or if you've seen any interesting kind of things happening in this space. Yeah, I think for us, maybe it's a little bit different, but your workers are actually on the ground. On the side, so I yeah, think you're digital that, workers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, ours are digital. So, you know, less less opportunity for those. But I think on your same point, you know, you're talking about the fact that for us, we've both put together this great like network of people that we've joined and vetted and things like that. And I think that makes it easier to kind of have that standardized process to present to like an insurance company or however you want to put together those benefits. Because for them, the biggest thing, like for all those companies is, you know, and for us, like we would ask the same question if we were in their shoes is the risk, right? So the, the risk of, you know, the worker or the person, like you don't really know like what you're getting, but if you are able to vet out, um, you know, exactly what you have in your community, I think it's a lot easier to present that case. Um, so for us, you know, right now we aren't really at that stage and not thinking about it because, you know, we're, our workers aren't on site, but that is something, you know, we have in the back of our mind, obviously, you know, as we continue to grow out the platform and provide educational tools and really turn these creators into, cause I mean, our ultimate goal is to have these creators like in a perfect world this could be their full-time job. Like this could be all they do. Like they get paid out, like tons of brands, like asking them for partnerships all the time. And they're able to do it in different forms. Like we're even launching our own uh, pretty soon, a content only section, which is going to be pretty sweet where people can just request content from great creators, um, which is sweet. So that kind of takes away even from, you know, makes us a little bit less reliant on the platform itself and just really puts all the emphasis on the creator um, and gives them that power. And, you know, as we're able to standardize that, get put more money in their pockets, um, then, you know, we can start looking for those things. But I totally agree with you. I think, you know, having that vetted network affords you the opportunity to be able to do some of the stuff that you guys are doing at your business. It's funny. It's like, you know, especially like on the worker side, as we started off as like very similar to a labor marketplace, but we quickly figured out like what we do best is like upskilling as a service. And, you know, the software that we kind of wrap around upskilling as a service is just like, it's like an efficiency thing. You know, we're optimizing the different funnels from the the farm being able to request a worker on demand to filing their paperwork and like all of these like ancillary things, we're just like productizing them. 
but really, like where Moat lies is like in that like kind of credibility arbitrage and helping these workers, you know, learn more and grow faster individually. So it'll be exciting. I think you know the the future is both wild and uncertain, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, the trends and tailwinds are very well aligned. So. If we're able to build good companies that help good people win, um, I think that we can make a lot of customers happy and scale it across the states and beyond. Yeah, I definitely agree. And you know, there, I think the more marketplace thing is only going to grow. Like, there's going to be more marketplaces out there, more opportunity for people to find jobs. And I think, uh, you know, even looking at one that kind of, I think, off the bat is really the model right now. Um, you know, that's not maybe one that everyone thinks about is Fiverr. I think Fiverr has got the great model for the marketplace over there. Um, you know, obviously they're a public company now you can buy their stock, um, which is pretty crazy to think for, you know, a marketplace that really doesn't have that traditional recurring revenue model or anything like that. Um, but it's pretty crazy to see all that stuff grow. Um, and just the options that are available for, for workers, for people, for businesses, um, to be able to get the services that they need without having to figure it out on themselves. And it's kind of, like you said, like the product is really leading the charge there to kind of uh, turn some of those services into more like scalable or more like usable pieces um, in the day-to-day. Yeah, it's kind of cool though, but you know, the horizontal marketplace is slowly starting to fade away. And I think both investors and companies that are coming to kind of rise up to the charge and the new wave of unicorns in the marketplace scene are either like niche focused marketplaces, like in the labor space or like, you know, vertically integrated, like this whole new trend of SaaS marketplaces, where essentially like, you know, that's what we're doing is our employers pay us like an annual contract for a pre-guaranteed list of services. You know, that includes doing all of the backend uh, kind of operations stuff and also at the same time finding vetted trained talent. And, you know, from Incredible Health to Rig Up, which was recently dubbed a unicorn, you know, oil and gas contractor marketplace, to a lot of the more successful companies that are starting to pull up. Um, we're seeing this interesting pivot away from horizontal marketplaces just because I think, like, the network effects aren't strong enough in those niches anymore, um, you know, to really focus vertically integrated marketplaces. And Darcy from Andreessen had this really cool article about the whole thing, actually. It was called, like, The Great Rehiring and he was kind of pattern matching the future of like how, you know, the United States and most countries are going to rebound from COVID. And the only way to actually employ people the fastest is to have specific jobs, a large network of, you know, the demand side of people who want to hire people for that job and a supply side or a company that makes getting like credible enough to get that job as easy and fast and simple as possible happen. So cool trends. A lot of momentum. I think we have an exciting time ahead for both the future of work, you know, for people who are finding work and creators, especially, you know, the Oracle TikTok acquisition, I think is very (laughs) odd, (laughs) but it just goes to show how much like liquidity there is with them. Uh, And also just like creators right now, you know, TikTok creators, I don't know if you saw, but like they started to angel invest in stuff. Like the guys at Sway House are teaming up with this dude in LA called Corey, who's a pretty reputable angel investor. And they're starting to get involved because essentially their brands are distribution platforms. You know, a lot of like yeah. direct to consumer and even like enterprise focused companies are able to find their first hundred to 10,000 customers with a single TikTok or tweet. And yeah, I'm really interested to see how, you know, different kinds of sophistication come into play and how these creators are able to use their brands 
um, and, you know, as leverage to kind of build their portfolio of either work, of angel investments, you know, of companies that they partner with. So cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting time we're living in for sure. Um, and I think, you know, for us on the B2B side, it's a lot of, I'm sure you see it over there on your end as well. A lot of product driven growth. That's really allowing these marketplaces to, to flourish and, you know, be the true solution, um, that people are, are looking for, um, and make it, just making it, making it really easy. That's, that's the end of the, that's the thing at the end of the day. That's what we try and do too, a trend. Um, but really just trying to make it easy. Awesome, man. Well, this is a really cool, cool chat. <laughs> I hope the listeners yeah. find a lot of value, uh, in, in, uh, in the kind of changes that we had, but overall I'm bullish. Um, the future of work is exciting. Yeah, same here. Well, Farhaj, thanks for joining us on the the Trend Podcast before or the DTC Pod. We've rebranded a little bit the DTC Pod, but yeah, before you head out, I do want uh, if you can share a minute to uh, kind of share where people can maybe learn and connect more with you or uh, connect with your company. Absolutely, you can find me at Farhaj Mayan. That's F A R H A J M A Y A N on all social media platforms. I'm pretty responsive and easy to reach. Um, for our company, we're at Hirekana, H-I-R-E-K-A-N-N-A across all social and our website's Hirekana.com. Keep an eye out for their spring. You know, since we're talking D2C, our direct-to-consumer education platform, Kana University, comes online with our first awesome course then. So I'm, I'm just really pumped and, you know, looking forward to what we have to offer. Awesome. Well, Farhaj, thanks again for joining us on the DTC pod. And for the audience out there listening, we'll see you next time. Peace.